Culture and Psychology with Tabana. A very warm hello to our Radio Bamdad listeners. Uh, I'm sitting with Dr. Daniel Rockers today. Dr. Alexandrade is not with us, but two of us are sitting. And today we decided to talk about disappointment um, because I had some project ahead of me that um, I started working on it, but it was so humongous that I started sometimes being disappointed that I can't move forward the way I want to. And Dr. Rockers was my um, rock, was my really person who I hit my head to uh, so that he can tell me, okay, quit. But he continuously told me, no, you shouldn't quit. You should move on. And today we want to talk about this, that sometimes in life we hit a situation that may we um, get disappointed or feel like we're not moving forward the way we want. Uh, it's just a sort of disappointment. Uh, and, and then in your head, you're thinking negatively. So I just want to start um, with that. Excellent. I say we jump right in. I'm thinking of a time for myself when, I think there's two different things here, actually. One is how do we hang in and how, when the going gets tough, and the other is handling the disappointments. Those are a couple of different things. Thinking of the hanging in there, I can remember when I was studying for my exam, my licensing exam, and put a lot of time in it, into it. It was This was the orals part when we did the orals. Put a lot of time in it, studied with a couple other people, and went in and thought I did reasonably well and found out I did not pass and it was pretty demoralizing. So that was a disappointment, but I decided to get right back on the horse and take it the next time. And I did pass. That reminds me of a course in graduate school that I took where the, I didn't really like the teacher that well. And it became apparent she probably, she didn't like me either. And we got about halfway through the semester and she pulled me into her office and said, listen, you need to drop this class or you're going to get an F. And I said, whoa, 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 what? Uh, this was beyond the get a refund date. And I didn't have much money at the time. I was in graduate school. And she says, you need to drop this class. And I said, well, I said, I, I don't have, you know, I'm not going to get a refund. How can we work this out? And she says, no, you don't understand you need to drop this class or you're going to get an F. And she was solid on it. And that was, that was so hard for me. That was such a disappointment. I cried when I went home and told my girlfriend about it. And that was a big disappointment. And it was a required course too. It was not an elective course. So I, I said, well, I'm going to, to myself, I'm going to take that class the next semester. And I looked up and I saw that the same two different teachers were teaching that class. One of them was a different teacher and the other was the same teacher, the one I didn't like. So I signed up to take the class from the teacher that I did not like and who did not like me because I was not gonna let that get me down. So I took that class and I got an A in that class. I studied hard, I did it. And what happened, yeah, for me, what happened was I found that when I really did move into that or lean in, I think as the current uh, 
term people say, I begin to like the subject matter that we were studying. Whereas before in my mind, I thought, oh, this is bogus. This doesn't have, this doesn't matter. It's not important that type of thing. I guess it's an interesting study in what we do inside our head with respect to certain things. Absolutely. I agree. It's all about in our head. Uh, you know, when you actually hypnosis is one of the things people do in order to get all the negativity out of their mind. And especially for our students who are studying or the ones that they're just beginning to, um, uh, you know, have a career or they have to take the exam. It's a great example that you've just shared that don't allow the disappointment get into you and try harder rather than be disappointed. Uh, so for you was actually going against your feeling um, rather than taking the course from someone else, you just specifically wanted to take it from that person. That takes a lot because I'm just thinking, um, I had similar um, experiences with one teacher that I think in one of our sessions I shared, that was when I was in college, um, but I switched and, and I went to another teacher and it was very successful. But it takes a lot to say, hey, I want to resolve this. Is it me? Is it teacher? Is it the way I'm behaving? Is it um, because I'm not um, learning? I'm not uh, studying? So that is amazing experience that you had. So that shows uh, so much who you are and in life, how you um, proceed with your decisions. It seems like whatever you want to do, you put your head into it. And you try your best and you do it. Yeah, I think it, it there's was kind of a competition or a battle inside my head. There was this one part of me that says, I don't like this and I don't want to do it. And there's another part, I guess this is what's called wise mind in DBT therapy, dialectical behavior therapy. Wise mind is looking at it from a slightly different perspective, one that's not so emotionally wrapped up in it. And my wise mind, the wise part of my mind said, you get back on that and you take that course and you, you learn how to deal with something you may not like. Yeah. And it was, it was a very good lesson. It was, was good. I felt really good after I, when I got the A in that class. And actually there's a little follow-up to that story. The first test that we had when I was retaking that class, we didn't put our names on the test. It was just a number you would put somehow a number code so that when she graded them, she did not know who she was grading. And then, but when she handed them back, then she would see who got what scores. And I do remember she called out my number and I said, oh, that's me. And it was an A and her, she was surprised. I could see it on her face. She was surprised that I got an A, but it was fun. That part was fun. And, you know, from that point, then it just took off and I did pretty it did well in the class and it was fairly easy that's awesome because I, I was into it i liked it you know that brings up an interesting thing and tell me your thoughts on this i think it's a, a there is a skill we can develop that is learning how to like something mm -hmm. that we may not like mm -hmm. what are your thoughts on that 
I definitely do think that's really important because it's all about what we tell ourselves from the beginning, whether we like something or whether we don't. So with that, you know, we prepare the scene for what further comes along. So one of the things that we can start with is I don't like this person or I don't like this subject, or I don't like the teacher. I mean, so many things we can tell ourselves in our mind to build and, and get it through us so that everything about that person seems negative or everything about this issue seems negative. But the opposite is that we allow the situation unfold itself rather than we put a label on it or we uh, put a emotion um, with it. So I'm just thinking with your experience, it's amazing because that has changed your life perception, I think, in being able to accomplish whatever you want. You know what I mean? It's just, it's you uh, planted the seed that told you, hey, if you put your head into wanting to do something or, um, you know, wanting to get where you want to get, all it takes is focus on that and try your best and you'll get it. It seems like that's what happened to you. I, it's, I think it's true. It's that idea of digging in in a persistent way that you want to keep going. Let me keep going on this thing. I think I can get it. And setting aside that feeling of being depressed or demoralized by the thing. There's a, it's a real skill, you know, in golf, we talk about that. We talked about golf, uh, uh, I don't know, a week or two ago on the program, but there is a concept in golf called grinding. Are you familiar with that term? No, explain what it is. So grinding, as I understand it in golf is you're doing the things you need to do. You're swinging the right way, but the ball isn't going where you want and how you want. You're not scoring. In fact, it's going the wrong way for you. Grinding means, no, I keep doing the right thing. And if I keep doing the right thing, I know that eventually this is going to turn around. Things will come around. So it's that persistence. We're grinding. We're just hanging in there and we're still doing it. And we're still working hard on it. No, and with the faith that if I do that, things will eventually come around for me. Mm. So that's what grinding is. I love that concept too, because I think it's so valuable for us. Yeah. I mean, really, that is something that we have to go back to anytime we hit the wall and, and something doesn't work. It seems like, okay, what do I need to change? What do I need to do? And it's not just, I can't, or it's not going to happen. Because I hear from people that they want something, even if they have tried eight times, nine times, they have tried so many times till they got it. So it seems like if you put your mind, your heart into it, and you really want to accomplish or to achieve, you will. It's just, it takes, maybe you don't get it at the first or second time, but you gradually will. Yeah, you can figure it out. You can, and I think the important part of this process is, okay, I tried it once, I didn't get it. Let me think through this. Are there things I need to change? 
or is it just a matter of grinding and staying in on it? Because sometimes we're doing the right thing, like in the golf swing, a lot of times you can be doing the right thing. You can execute the right mechanics coming through in the right way, but not be getting the result that you want. So I think a big thing is figure out, do I need to make some changes in what I do? And they may be small or slight. And if I do, let's go ahead and make those and keep practicing. Otherwise, let's just keep practicing and keep executing. Keep working at it. If you keep trying at it long enough, generally, you can get it. Mm -hmm. Well, when I look at what you have shared in your life, living in a farm, being in that environment and getting out of it and do whatever you have done so far and your accomplishments and things that you have done and broaden the lenses that uh, you have had and you have made to happen. It's just, it's amazing. I think this is a great example of how our mind works. And I wish I could um, just get into your mind and see how you have been able to do that. But seriously, it seems like it's all about our mind and how we put our mind into things. Because even, um, you know, when I, you hear so many things and so many stories about this, different issues from different people, but you're a living example and a close friends that we have seen um, how many things have happened in your life and how much you have accomplished in different things. Yet alone, let's talk about just golf that you started and now where you are, you can become a teacher of golf the way I hear from you. You know, it's interesting because I don't think I even talked about some of the initial difficulties for me in golf. What I remember this very clearly, and this is related to your comment about the mind. I can remember playing golf over at Ansel Hoffman Golf Course, which is um, a local golf course. Most people know where it is by the river there. And I remember the exact hole we were playing. We had just teed off. There were four of us, me and three other guys, and they all hit good shots. And my shot was short and off to the right. We were, we were walking off the tee and I was walking to my ball and I became aware of the, my own internal dialogue or monologue, which was saying, you always hit the shortest. You're never as far as anybody else. This is why you hate golf. And in that moment, I became aware of that voice. And I thought, what? What is this I am telling myself? Who is this talking in there? And how damaging is that? And I realized, oh, I have such a negative internal dialogue. And from that point forward, I began to make changes in my golf swing. And I don't have that voice in my head saying those things anymore. I worked hard and um, changed my golf swing. So it feels very good now. I mean, I'm very, I'm happy with my golf swing and I continue to improve on it. I still work on it. Yeah. So the way you describe, it seems like every part of our life with things that we do, sometimes these voices come, but it has to be a conversation between the two voices. One that says, hey, you know, you're not going to get it. Hey, you're not good enough. Or, you know, you can't. But the other voice 
should say, no, let's just put that away. And, and uh, if other people can do it, you can do it too. So um, we are going to take a short break, come back to continue our conversation about disappointment and how we can get over that. Perfect. شنوندگان عزیز رادیو بامداد اگر صدای ما رو به زبان انگلیسی میشنوین امروز من و دکتر راکرز یکی از همکاران و دوستان عزیزم در مؤسسه توانا که یک شرکت غیر انتفاعی هست امروز در خدمتون هستیم دکتر اندرادی امروز نیست با ما ولی من و دکتر راکرز داریم راجب ناامیدی هایی که گایقات در کارهایی که میخواییم بکنیم به همون دست میده و چقدر اثر منفی میذاره و چطور ما میتونیم در حقیقت با اون مبارزه بکنیم و راهمون رو برای رسیدن به هدفمون ادامه بدیم Dr. Rockers, um, I just explained in Farsi what we are talking about and how we can overcome the issue of disappointment. And um, you mentioned something that, you know, uh, in different parts of your life, you had some, um, you know, hitting the wall or something was on the way, an obstacle, but then you worked through it and you got over that and you became successful. And as far as I remember, um, the golf thing always was um, something that you started, as you said, with uh, some disappointment or some voices in your head. But then at the end, look where you are now. And it's one of your probably most interesting thing to do. And, and I like to learn more from your experiences because I'm sure the listeners would benefit from how, what can we do to overcome the disappointment? Well, I would actually, I would like to jump back just a little bit to some more of my learning where this came from, if that's okay. Sure. I, 
you know, I have talked about having a farm background and I've been very fortunate to have that farming background growing up on a farm and we didn't have hired help. We had to do it all ourselves. And you know what? In a lot of ways, it was really hard. And that was so good to have that as experience. There's a couple of experiences, a couple of situations I can recall that have shaped me in very important ways. And they're small in some ways, but they're large in other ways. And one of them was, you're familiar with tractors and how the wheels on tractors can be very big, like as tall as a human is. And if you have a flat tire on the tractor, it's a pretty big deal to change that tire. And those lug nuts that are on the tire, they're pretty good sized and they get put on there pretty tight. So one afternoon I had to change, take the tire off of a tractor. My dad had said, you you know, go out and once you take the, uh, take those lug nuts off that tractor. And what you do is you put a wrench on that. And this was so tight that I couldn't leverage it the right way. So what you do is you get a piece of pipe and you put that pipe over the end of that wrench, which extends the lever further out. So then you've got better leverage and you can do that. It gives you better leverage so you can go harder. The problem though, was that when I went harder to unscrew that lug nut, I rounded off those sides. It's like a octagon or hexagon sides and you round those off and then you can't you can't get the thing off and I tried and I tried and I tried and I ended up rounding that thing off and I was getting really angry I lost patience and I was sweating and it was hot and I went got my dad and I said I can't I can't get it off and my dad was he was a very strong man and in some ways he was extremely patient Mm. in other ways he was a little bit volatile but he in some ways he was extremely patient and i watched him he says okay let me try and he as he put that wrench on there and i still am not sure how he did it but i watched him put that wrench on there and he got that lug nut off of there with even though it had been stripped by me a little bit but the thing about what my dad did was he he paid attention and he did not rush that process. In terms of mechanical stuff, he understood the importance of you look at what's going on, you survey the situation, and then you take a measured approach to doing it. You don't just get all angry and hot and bothered and, and go crazy on it. Hmm. Another experience, which again, highlighted for me, the importance of farming background is this is now I was living in Dallas, this after college, and I had a Jeep and this Jeep had a tailgate on it. And my cousin was visiting me, my cousin, Bruce Ruckers, he was visiting me and I was going to take him and his wife for a ride in the Jeep. And I was trying to get that tailgate down and I started to get you know, I was impatient with it and I couldn't get it. I was starting just going crazy on it and pulling it hard. And I said, I can't get it. And he says, here, let me, let me try it. And this uh, again, stands out in my memory. I said, okay, go ahead. And I'm thinking he's not going to get it. He can't get it. I couldn't get it. He, what he does is 
this. He goes up to the tailgate, that piece I was trying to move. And you know what he did first? He just looked at it. He looked at it from the top and he looked at it from underneath. He just looked at it. And then after he looked at it, then he says, well, I think if you just move this piece here and do that, then it'll come open. And that's exactly what happened. But what he was doing was he looked at it to understand what, how did this thing work? Mm-hmm. And that was what I didn't do at that point. I just was like, ah, I think I can get it. And just trying to pull harder or wrench harder on it. An important lesson is to take some time in the beginning to look at something and mechan- if it's mechanical and see how does it work. The things, same thing happens in golf swing. The same thing happens probably in most of life. But in golf, it's the same thing. Think about what you're doing. Under, see if you can understand the movements involved and then begin to work to execute those movements. There's so much wisdom in those two stories. I really have to tell you, it is. Absolutely. It, it's just an approach to life that is so different. A lot of times it's like my girlfriend, it's mechanically, I'll say, well, here, just look at it. See if you can understand how it works first. Mm-hmm. In a way, we're entering in the, the mind of the person who designed it. Mm-hmm. How did, were they thinking? What were they thinking you would do here? Wow, these are great examples. So one is patient. The other is look carefully to see where the problem is and why. And then get into it. Yes, exactly. Those two things are so crucial. Mm-hmm. You know, after that, the golf incident where I heard that monologue in my head, you know, what I did was I started going out to the driving range and I became very careful in terms of, I would put some tape on the face of the club. I would hit the ball and then I would measure after every strike, where on that club face did I hit it? And did I hit it in the right, it's a sweet spot. I measured it and I recorded it and I started making a chart. I made it a graph and I computed my percentages and I said, I could see my improvement happening. Mm -hmm. It was, it was, it was a lot of work and it's, I haven't seen anybody else do that, but I'll tell you what, it changed how I played the game and I started playing the game a lot better too. And I, like I said, I no longer had that negative voice in my head and guess what else? I was no longer the shortest <laughs> and hit the ball. Wow. These are great stories. So basically um, being a strategic, you know, in where the problem is and what you need to do in anything, it's important because your dad's story, uh, I'm sure patient was a big part, but the other part is being a strategic look and see how you can resolve the situation even in your golf example, in your, even in your um, course that you shared, um, there's a saying that says expectations is the root of all headaches. So expectation um, basically, um, you know, just takes us out of reality. But the reality basically is that, you know, our desires are convoluted. So what we need to do from time to time, there is disappointment. We're not going to get whatever we want, but through hard work, through strategy, through patience, you know, all of these um, 
factors need to be in place to be able to overcome because sometimes getting anxious and worried doesn't help, um, rather makes your mind even being clotted and actually you can get where you wanna be. So maybe um, one of the things we need to tell ourselves is that uh, just be patient, look at where the issue is that is on the way and work on that. And, um, you know, just be strategic, I guess. And, and when you said you had created charts, I mean, this is amazing work and patience and really wanting to get where you are. It's important. Um, and I see that sometimes in people that they get so disappointed, they put something completely out. But then you see some other people, they try and try and try. And um, they, one of the tutors was actually sharing um, how he became a tutor. He said he was failing that course over and over and over. But he promised himself that not only he wants to pass, he wants to be good at it. So he is not tutoring that course. You know, that tells you how you can move you know, from where you are to where you can be by failing a course and not being able to even understand. And the way he was sharing was like, I couldn't even understand the context. I couldn't even understand the content. But he said, I promised myself that this is a requirement course and I need to take it because in order to get my degree, this, the course was on the way. And he said, repeatedly, I was failing it. And he became so good at it that now he's tutoring that course. Wow. Was that a math course or what kind of course? Yeah, it was a math course. Yeah. You know, and I, again, I just think that it's a lot of these things, we can get it. This is, it's within our scope. It's within our realm. We can get a lot of things if we just approach it in the right way. And I think you're right. A lot of, I see it. A lot of people don't get things when they could get things because they're not approaching it in the right way. I bet you, you must have seen this a lot in your, when you're teaching. Yeah, absolutely. Very much so. Yeah. Some students would hang in and really try to figure it out. You know what I think is one of the biggest problems? This, and I see this in my practice a lot is people don't appreciate the very small gains that they make. Mm. They want to get all the way there. Or maybe this is that thing that you just said about expectation. Yeah. They expect that they're going to make these big jumps. And as soon as you start expecting that, you're going to run into some bad problem. That is true. But if you appreciate your small gains, pretty soon what will happen is you will those small gains will accumulate up into a bigger gain. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, sometimes disappointed can turn into depression. I, work on uh, yeah, repeated disappointment. And if you think about that, if you go a little further with that, if we set our expectations too big, too much, we're going to create repeated disappointments. So could lead into depression. Yeah, so in order to even prevent further issues, we have to work with our disappointment not to let go further down the road to become more 
severe and turn to depression and, and we know where we go with that. So with that, we are going to give another break and come back to continue our conversation. back with Dr. Daniel Rockers and we continue our conversation uh, about the disappointment which may lead into depression and how to overcome with the issue of disappointment and, and not let it go to depression. Um, I'm going to say some words in Farsi. Shanavandegane Azizeh Radio Bamdad. Agar taze radio hatunu baz kardin va sedaye maro be zaban inglesi az radio Bamdad mishnavin maro sai shambu ye shambe az muassesi qirintefaye tavana bara huzur doktor Daniel Rockers va doktor Alexander Rade. و من در خدمتون هستیم و هر بار راجع به مسائل مختلف روانشناسی و مسائل روز صحبت میکنیم و اگر کسانی هستن در منزل که فکر میکنین از این صحبت ها استفاده میکنن خواهش میکنم دعوتشون بکنین به صحبت های ما در روزهای شنبه و یک شنبه توجه داشته باشن و برمیگردیم و صحبت هامون رو ادامه میدیم به زبان انگلیسی Rockers, we were just um, talking about the negative part, but I remember in Freudian strategies and methodology and theories, there's also something called paradoxically, uh, you know, it's actually become disappointment when we get to some success. Um, usually when we don't feel like we deserve and it's not just, we feel like, you know, it's a little disappointing, but um, I don't know if you have any experience on that part. So let me see if I understand this, that when somebody does achieve a success, they right. feel like they don't deserve that success and they're disappointed. Right. right. It says like wrecked by success. That's the term. That's uh, unconsciously, there are people who believe that their success was unjustified. So achieving it didn't feel satisfying to them. So um, even when we do get what we want and we think we deserve it, we may discover that what we wanted so badly hasn't bring the expected happiness. So this is something that I recall um, in Freudian uh, has a conversation about that, that it's paradoxical to what we were saying about how to overcome disappointment. And when we don't get something, usually it's uh, 
unusual when someone gets something to be disappointed. They, maybe inside they feel like they don't deserve, which is a imposter syndrome sometimes. Uh, that could be too, I guess. In old days, they didn't know about imposter syndrome. I know, uh, as far as I remember, in 1923, there was a psychiatrist that was working with a patient that realized that this patient um, actually due to some um, uh, problem with the brain, they, the neurons couldn't pass through the right way. And as far as I remember, this person would see, for example, you, that you were the brother but wouldn't think you're the brother, but thought you look like the brother. So it was imposter syndrome actually at that time came um, to, um, they didn't realize what to call it or what it is. But later in 1970, when they started to figure out what is imposter, then they went back to this syndrome in old days that they couldn't figure out what it is and they called it imposter and they called that um, um, psychological issue also um, some neuron issue um, imposter as well. But aside from that, I'm just saying this uh, unjust maybe comes from that imposter syndrome. When you reach to a success, you feel like do I deserve it? Do I not deserve it? And maybe that's something different and it's completely a different topic that we can talk about. Well, I think no matter what, it brings up that very important issue of self-talk. You know, in psychology, we talk a lot about self-talk or self-coaching. What is it that we tell ourselves? And I think that is probably a big that's one way of thinking about what I believe is a big piece in the whole feeling like an imposter or feeling disappointed. It could be we could be disappointed when we get something or achieve something for a lot of reasons. We could be feeling like I don't deserve it, or it may be the realization that uh, this isn't really what I thought it was going to be. And I have a great example from, from my own life. Once again, you're pretty tired of hearing me tell all these stories. But when I was in college, I remember seeing someone driving this Mercedes-Benz convertible, this little roadster. And it was a beautiful car, navy blue car, roadster. And I forget where I was, but I saw a couple people. This was in Dallas. And I saw people uh, taking that some younger people, and driving through a lemonade stand. There was a lemonade stand. It was like an actual business. And getting a lemonade with the top down, I just thought, wow, that's so cool. I love that car. I really want to have that car. And that was always my dream car I wanted to have. Fast forward probably 20 years, 15 years, and I'm here in Sacramento, and finally making enough money, and I bought one of those cars. And I was like, this is so great. I love this car. It's a wonderful car. And it truly was a beautiful car. Mm, that's awesome. The stories that you share, you know. But yeah. there is more to that story. So it was a beautiful car. And I was like, this is a great car. I love this car. And like I said, it was a great car. However, a number of things <laughs> began to happen to it 
which costs a lot of money to repair. <laughs> and probably more than that, more than that was this, what happened was I began to realize the impracticality of a convertible. Mm. Because to drive down the freeway with the top down is not fun. <laughs> it's fun maybe if you go from one exit to the next exit, but to go 20, 30, 40, 50 miles and you're getting beat up by the wind and you can't hear anything and yeah. you can turn the radio up real loud, but you still can't hear it very well. Yeah. That's not fun. It's just not fun. <laughs> and the, it was the what? The reason I'm laughing because I have exact same experience. I always wanted a convertible car. I got a convertible car. And, you know, during the five, six years that I had it, or maybe less, I probably less than 10 times I could take the top off because, first of all, the wind would bring my hair to my face and I couldn't see anything. So, I had to either pull my hair back or wear a hat so that it doesn't bother. The other thing was the safety. As a woman, you're driving and you don't know who at the light can jump into the car by you, especially if it's dark at night. So that was always the safety issue was um, something that I couldn't really continue doing. And the other is, as you mentioned, going to highway with the noise and driving. It was crazy. Even in the regular streets, it was, it was crazy with the noise. And also, as I said, the safety. So sometimes we desire something, but then later we realize that it's not working. Yeah. You know what it is too. It's a lot of it is we fall in love with the idea mm -hmm. of something. Mm -hmm. as opposed to the thing. And it's the idea of a convertible, I think, that sells the convertible. And if you watch the television ads, they're selling the idea of sure. something. Yeah. It's interesting in life to, to go back and think about how many things do I like the idea of the thing mm -hmm. as opposed to the thing. And reality. So, uh, going back to what we were talking about the disappointment, the depression, um, do you think the way we handle disappointment is related to our developmental history, our relationship with our parents, other early formative experiences? Because some people seek to avoid disappointment by turning into underachievers. So, they unconsciously set the bar low and avoid taking risks to prevent, um, you know, from being disappointed without realizing it that they have decided that the best strategy is not to have high expectations about anything. So I think that with the way you were talking about everything that you shared, you're, you were raising the bar high rather than raising the bar low. So everything you wanted to accomplish was looking at people who were in higher level of whether it was uh, golf players, whether it was whatever um, other issues that you had in life that you shared. Um, it was just raising the um, bar high. And is it something that goes back to our childhood, to the way we were raised, or is it just innate? Is it, what is it? Well, it's a great question. And I think this does get to that 
question you posed earlier, but which we didn't really go into too much detail in handling the disappointment. Uh, you're right. I set the bar high because uh, I grew up as a dreamer, mm-hmm. like on the farm. We didn't, have, we didn't have a lot of money. We didn't have access to stuff. We weren't in town. And we ended up, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the shopping that I did or learning that I did was through books and catalogs you get in the mail. And I would look through those and try to learn from them and try to imagine what was this or what would this be like. <clears throat> and what I developed was this dreamer approach, a dream. Can you dream up your goal? Mm-hmm. Can you come up with that? And then from there, how do you how can you work to achieve it? In what way could you do this? In what way could you make something that is like that or get close to that? In what way could you do that or achieve that? And that's always been my approach. I assume it's from growing up on the farm and having that experience where you didn't get the access to things right away. So I had to resort to dreaming and of the time when I would be able to do the thing. Now, another piece that's important is I set lots of goals. I set a whole lot of goals and people, somebody has commented to this on me and I said, well, I set a lot of goals and guess what? Some of them I achieve. There's a lot of them that may not pan out and I'm okay with that because I know if I set lots of goals, some of them are going to come through. I think that's an important thing that people should pay attention to set. I'm not too generally too demoralized aim high. I say aim high because in setting goals, aim high. And even if you don't achieve that goal, you probably will achieve a lot more than if you had not set a goal at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And guess what? Hitting something that's a little lower than my goal, but higher than where I was. Hey, that's a game. No, absolutely. So dreaming like, uh, you know, I'm sure a lot of our listeners are familiar with Wen Dyer, who is, published many books and he actually always was talking about whenever I listened to him laying down um, in the farm I guess and he was just always looking at the stars and dreaming and thinking big and and uh, he always talks about the dream and how much that not having everything and seeking to have it helps you to grow out of where you are And I was just thinking, going back to whether it's developmental, whether it's our parent, the way the history, I was just thinking, while it's helpful to know which way we lean from what we, you know, whether our parent or childhood, our developmental history is not our destiny. You know, if we are strong, whatever our developmental history may be, having a secure base or not, Disappointment can provide us with valuable information about belief about ourselves, about our people, and it it can make us to where we are. Yeah, it's what you're saying there, Saideh, reminds me, it's not helpful to have everything provided or to get everything. It's not helpful. Yes. And I think sometimes that a difficulty can be if I grew up with a shortage of things, then I may do my best to make sure my kids don't have that shortage and they have all these things. 
but in a way could be doing them a disservice. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean don't do things for your kids. It just means if you try to do everything for your kids so that they don't have any of that disappointment, you make, you create the disappointment for them later in life. Yeah. What that reminds me of when I was in high school in uh, Texas, um, we had a bus trip in summer um, and we went through different states um, in, a, in a bus and everywhere we went, uh, a family were hosting us. And I remember one of the families that was hosting us, I think it was in North Dakota. They were so rich. They had airplane, their own jet. They had um, inner uh, pool. They had um, it was amazing house. And I remember the boys in the house were uh, throwing newspaper in the morning. They would get up at three o'clock in the morning, both of them with the bicycle. And at that time, I remember very, very rich, educated family. I never forget the house and the way they took us a tour of the house and they showed us all the pictures from the family and they came from a rich background. And I remember the mother was saying, this is how we are raising our boys. They have to realize this is theirs later, but now they have to really see what everyone lives off of. They, they work hard. It's not like they have gotten everything. They have to learn that, that you have to work hard to get to where you're gonna be. And very polite boys, they both were in high school and kind of shy, but they both were working hard with throwing newspaper, get up at three o'clock in the morning. And I remember at that time I thought, oh my gosh, we are spoiled that, wow. you know, or yeah, I mean, really think about it, how the mindset goes um, for the benefit of their children. And now sometimes we feel if we provide everything we are doing our parenthood and we have done the best to our children, but sometimes we don't know if this is the best way to do what kind of children we are raising. Sometimes maybe not so happy because they have everything. You know, it kind of comes down to that thing of, am I, yeah, am I doing this for myself really? Or am I really doing it for my kids? Am I trying to satisfy my own things that I didn't have growing up? Yes, absolutely. And with that, uh, we are getting to the end of our program, Dr. Rockers. I want to thank you so much for all the sharing because it just gives more, uh, encouragement and um, brings uh, them to mind that in real life, we have good examples of people who are sitting next to us. We have to just listen carefully, learn from them and implement it, you know, to get rid of all those obstacles that many times in our head we make for ourselves. With that, I want you to please sum up um, with your statement at the end so we can say goodbye to our listeners shortly. My summary statement for today is, of course, patience with the process, but more importantly is I love that example that I talked about my cousin Bruce looking at the tailgate. Look at the thing first. 
and try to understand what is going on before taking some action. It's the same thing with assembling things like from Ikea or wherever. Look at it first. A friend of mine that I worked with, he was a wise man. He said, it's good to read the directions because a lot of people sort of like just blow them off and say, oh, I can figure this out. Maybe you can, but can. But what he said is sometimes you learn something new from the directions. It's another example of take the time to look it over and understand what's going on. It will pay off a lot. Absolutely. And there's so many things I want to wrap up with. But one thing that comes to mind is a lot of times we get anxious when something doesn't work and we feel definitely disappointed and sometimes a little of depression that right there we have to deep breathe deep breathe and tell ourselves that you know what i can do that i have to just be patient as you said raise my goal look at all those that they accomplish and achieve and i can do that there's nothing behind and forward that is different it's only us that we can make it happen and in my teaching, I always, uh, I remember t- telling my students that we may have different intelligence, we may have different, you know, learning styles, but all I know is we all learn and we all can do it in a different pace. So don't think if somebody gets it earlier and you need to do it at the same pace, that doesn't work. Every one of us can get to where we want with a different pace. And with that, I want to say goodbye to our listeners. We come back next week with other topics to converse. تنها بمیرم دیگه از درد و غم آروم بگیرم برم پیدا کنم یه جای خلبت بشینم عشق بریزم تا قیامت برم پیدا کنم یه جای خلبت بشینم عشق بریزم تا قیامت برو ایدن بخواب که وقت خوابه سلام تو همیشه می جوابه به تو بیدست و پا از من نصیحت اگه عاشق بشی
سهر شد تا هنوز چشمات بیداره چرا گل میخوری با یک اشاره سهر شد تا هنوز چشمات بیداره رادیو بامداد صدای ما و شما با زبانی آشنا